what people are talking about. Let me hit you with some knowledge. This is TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. How do people end up becoming serious criminals? Does our criminal justice system reform criminals and help them? Well, one man's amazing story might shed some light on these questions. We welcome to InfoTrack author Joe Loya. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, Joe, your life story sounds almost like a Hollywood movie script. You started as a petty thief, but you ended up becoming one of the most prolific bank robbers in California history. You went to prison for seven years, and now you're on the straight and narrow. Your book is titled The Man Who Outgrew His Prison Cell. First, can you tell our listeners what led you to a life of crime? My mother died when I was very young, and so there was a lot of grief in the home, my grief by me and my brother, obviously. But a lot of grief on my father's behalf, and he didn't know how to deal with the grief, so he started becoming violent. And so it started there. At the same time, it was a very religious home I was raised, and we were going to church like five, six times a week. My father was studying to be a minister. He marries another woman, a wonderful woman, who gives us a lot of love and introduces me to literature. And while he became a minister, he became increasingly violent. I had several concussions, but the violence undermined it, the hypocrisy made me begin to doubt faith in general. So at 16 though, I stabbed my dad in the neck during a beating in which he broke a rib and a, a fracture my elbow. Two things happened. One, we were taken out of the home and put in foster care. The other thing was, it awakened in me this rage, this violence that I had that I didn't know was in me. And what that introduced me to was the notion that when I get angry, I have enough power to push myself push my violence into the world and feel better. Because I hadn't been raised in the criminal milieu, I wasn't in gangs younger, and I didn't have older guys teaching me how to commit crime and stuff, I had to access it in the easiest way accessible to me, which is to begin to defraud my friends, and then defraud institutions with bounce checks and that kind of thing. So I started out petty, and then I got eventually busted for that and went to prison for two years. The day before I was arrested, I actually robbed a bank. But I wasn't arrested for the bank robbery. Nobody knew that I had done it. And I got like $4,300. So while I was in prison sitting there, I thought, wow, that was easy to get away with. That's the last crime I did. I got $4,300 for it and 10 minutes of work. So I just waited for two years and got out knowing that I had already accomplished one bank robbery. And now I was ready to go for more. And you robbed 24 banks during your criminal career in uh, California. I robbed, the newspaper says 24 I lost track at about 30. The FBI thinks it was between 30 and 40. Wow. So it just gets it gets convoluted, you know, at that point, past 24. And sometimes I rob four banks a day. A couple times mm-hmm. I rob two, three banks a day. There had to be close calls in some of those. Uh, that oh, sh- many. Was it like an adrenaline thing for you? I mean, yes. was it a rush to rob a bank? Well, I loved this violence because I had been so helpless as a boy. Part of what the violence did to me is it made me recover a sense of feeling strong again. When I would feel helpless in situations as an adult, I just wanted to be violent to take control so I felt strong again. So there was this need to be violent with people. And then there was this other need to be wealthy. What occurred to me was I can marry my violence with my greed and I could do one crime that could feed both of those. And going in to terrorize tellers to make them give me money 
was actually in those days, you know, appealing to me. I loved to terrorize people, and that was part of the adrenaline rush, and then I got paid for it. So I'd walk out of those banks feeling strong because I had controlled the environment. I controlled somebody to do what they didn't want to do, and then I got paid for it. So there's a whole twisted psychology to what I was doing, as well as just a general criminality to it. We're talking on InfoTrack with Joe Loya, who is author of The Man Who Outgrew His Prison Cell, Confessions of a Bank Robber. Now, Joe, you finally got nabbed, I guess, after all of those bank robberies and sent to prison. And you served uh, how many years? I served seven years. And during that time, you went through some changes. Obviously, you were in a, a serious prison for bank robbery. At, yeah, it was a maximum security penitentiary. And you served time as well in solitary. What happened was that, you know, when I went to prison, I was still a criminal, so I committed crimes in prison. I, you know, extorted from other inmates, smuggled in drugs, made knives, assaulted other inmates. So I continued to act out. Because I ran with a rough crowd, there was this incident where my ex-cellmate was murdered in his cell in the same unit where I was. And so they, they picked up about six of us Mexican-American guys, and they threw us in solitary confinement under investigation for the homicide. And it would take two years before they realized that none of us did it and that it had been some other guy who had been free to run in the you know regular prison population. So for two years, I just sat in there and waited for them to free us. And about halfway through, you know, when you're in a cell for 24 hours a day, a cell the size or smaller than the average parking space, you um, get a little daffy, and some people get daffier than others. Mm-hmm. In my case, I began to see the walls move and began to hear voices, and at one time I was, I had this hallucination where this bald kid was in my cell, and that's where I was utterly humbled. I realized that here I thought I'd been this guy who could control my life, control people with my violence, with my will. You know, I can impose my will on other people. Here I was realizing that I had no control of my mental faculties, none at all. And it scared me, it humbled me, and it forced me to accept the fact that I had been lying to myself and I couldn't run from it anymore. So the next day after this hallucination, I started writing. I started writing things about my life and my mother and and over time, you know, in solitary confinement, I started writing about my past. And during that time, things started coming up. I started recognizing why I was angry in certain areas, resentful, fearful. And I really explored that. And that was the beginning of my memoir. That was when I started wanting to make an honest, an honest exploration of my life because I was no longer afraid of finding out that I was insecure once upon a time. I wasn't afraid to find out that I had been fearful as a boy and as an adult. Because I'd been so humbled and confronted my total weakness in that prison cell, it allowed me to accept myself as being vulnerable. Now, Joe, would you say, I mean, having spent time in prison with that population, would you say you are an exception to the rule that you you came out? Yeah, I'm an exception to the rule in many ways. The major exception is that I went into prison with resources that most prisoners don't have, which is education. I had private school for the first six years of my life. I had language skills because I had been reading and writing, I'd been studying theology. Mm -hmm. So I was educated. I knew a lot. I went on the detour and the crime stuff, but when I came back to want to change, I had resources. I had language. I had notions of redemption. I had... A lot of legends, myths, fables that were easily accessible to me. Most guys who go into prison, 
the average guy goes in there with an eighth grade education. And they've been in the milieu of crime since they were 12, 13, 14 years. They've been trained and schooled by older guys in their neighborhoods. And so they feel a connection, the loyalty to their neighborhood. So it makes it more difficult for them to pull out of the crime world because it's so linked to their culture or to their families or to their neighborhood. If you could uh, wave a magic wand and change things to get people out of prison, what would you do? I mean, is there something that you could do other than go back in time and educate everyone? One of the things I would do is concentrate on giving language to the men in prison so that they can better understand why they're in the situation they're in. And one of the problems with a lot of guys in prison is they blame everybody. They blame the system. They blame their mother and they blame their father. They blame people who abandoned them. They blame a lot of things. And part of the thing that changed to me was I started thinking nobody makes me. They're doing something to me, but I'm choosing to react to it a certain way. This was fundamental in my recovery. And I was able to accept that I had choice. A lot of these guys feel like they did not have a choice. They still feel like all their options have been taken away. So if we can change the way they talk, we change the way they think so that they can also have a new way of imagining themselves in the world. And that's what gives people optimism. That's beautifully said. And this book is definitely worth reading. The Man Who Outgrew His Prison Cell, Confessions of a Bank Robber, and the author Joe Loya. Joe, uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Thank you so much for having me. It's been enjoyable. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.